Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. It is time for Bill Landis to tell us what he's thinking. Yes, we have some new content coming, fresh content from the Ohio State coaching staff, expecting uh, a media day with those gentlemen. So we're going back. We're treating it like midseason, and Bill's just going to give me all the questions that he's going to ask that are on his mind to the assistant coaches. I am I am not in midseason form. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I do not have uh, I do not have questions at the ready like front of front of mind uh, this time of year. Usually, you're um, lying. You're no, lying. no. I mean, I ha- I have them. You know what I mean. I just I just kind of feel like I'm not. You know, it feels it feels like I'm not on my A game. I wasn't I wasn't. Uh, I feel like we need we need some build up to this. We need to gain some momentum before we go into a media session. We haven't had one in so long. Um, That's right. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean. At, again, at the risk of being a meme, I suppose. Like my questions are are on the offensive line. Um, some of the stuff we talked about last week, right about the about the center position with with Justin Fry and and whether or not Matthew Jones gets a look there. I I think that's probably a relatively short conversation as as we discussed. But there's more there's more to it. It's like I think we need I think we need a debrief on like Carson Hinsman and and what Justin Fry thought of his play in the spring. Um, whether or not they think Vic Cutler is any closer to like actually being in that battle, because because I didn't really feel like he was in the spring. I sort of like he was playing there, but I didn't really feel like he was pushing Carson Hinsman all that much. And then, you know, what what do they expect out of Jacob James now that he is you know presumably on the mend or, or close to it? Maybe what's that timeline like? Um, there's a, there's a lot there, um, and you can get into tackles and with Josh Simmons and what they expect from him. Does Josh Fryer stay on the left side? Do they give a look at Simmons to the le- on the left side and move Fryer back to right? Like I, I think I could spend the entirety of the session we're there talking with Justin Fry just about the, the pieces on the offensive line and how we could potentially move them around. But also too maybe about like just sort of the vibe of that group because I because I think it is just one addition, but I do feel like adding Josh Simmons who certainly has some strides to make to become a little bit better of a player than he was last year. I just really feels felt like that settled things down quite a bit. So uh, I'm wondering if Justin Fry kind of kind of feels the same way. So the, the thing that is chief on my mind is like a general temperature check on everything involving the offensive line. Yeah, and then that addition also, uh, you could make a case that it was the biggest one of the entire offseason, including pre-spring for Ohio State, but certainly it changes the landscape post-spring. And, and one of the ways that this works, which I, I do like that Ohio State has structured the media throughout camp is like going p- by positions and not scrambling it around. Like you don't really know who you're going to get on a day to day or week to week basis. But the, the only downside to that approach is like you could talk to one position group after, you know, two or three workouts and then mm-hmm. never really get an update. You, you said you wanted a debrief on Carson Hensman. Some of that in-depth stuff from Justin Fry we weren't going to get because he was about in the midway point of spring, really sort of when Carson Hensman started to elevate, it seemed like, or get comfortable in that role. So um, that that applies to all positions um, because the last week, I don't think there were any, any there wasn't anybody left. There was just Ryan Day before the spring game and then only a couple players afterwards. So there there is a lot of ground to cover. I maybe should have teed that up to you beforehand. Uh, as a more general way into this, but uh, I just like hearing your questions, and I knew you'd start with the <laughs> offensive line anyway. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am predictable, but you're, you are. I, I, I was trying to remember when we talked to the offensive line. It, it, it was very early on; like they weren't the first group, but 
they might have been like the sec that first week back after spring break break maybe is that when we talked to them like that was a long time ago <laughs> that was like yeah. three months two two months ago now uh so it's it's been a minute since we've gotten to pick justin fry's brain and he is not um I, I think he's been like hesitant to get super specific on things since he's been here um which is like fine coaches coaches are that way so i i maybe am not certain how enlightening those conversations might be but but even if we can like peg down some positional stuff i think that that's worthwhile discussion with justin fry as well did you see that picture of donovan jackson <laughs> yeah i did uh he looks like uh an american gladiator uh like <laughs> that dude is yoked uh and he's not like he's he's sort of always been that way he's not um how do i say this delicately he's not on the uh you know, if, if you see some offensive linemen who are built more like me <laughs> than they are, uh, you know, bodybuilder sometimes. And, uh, yeah, that was impressive. I don't know. I don't know what that man's been up to ever over the last couple of months, but he looks good. Yeah. Uh, so if Dewan Jones was Thanos, like that picture of Donovan Jackson looked like juggernaut from Deadpool <laughs> 2. Like, I don't know what is going on. I thought it must have been some trick of photography or something like that how did that happen in the last two months i don't know but um he was already big and now he just looks like somebody was inflating him like a bike tire <laughs> yeah maybe he can just play all five positions we don't have to worry about it just throw yeah. him out there by himself we'll take them all up. all right we've we've covered the offensive line then bill that's like everybody expected us to start that way we did where else should we move <sighs> Uh, I feel like we're going to end up doing like mini position previews for every every group in this in this episode. Um, I don't where would I want to go next? Um, well, let's just make it one question then. Like, are there three questions that you want to have answered from any position? We won't go through all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe I I want to know more about safety and and how that picture is coming together for Perry Iliano and. He doesn't have to have answers now. Obviously, we're, we're not even into June yet, and they have a lot of on-field workouts and then obviously camp to get through before that depth chart needs to be settled. But, um, you know, you have the, the, the discussions we've had about the guys that started, like, started in the spring. Are they, are they actually the starters? Like, are they there because they have seniority? What do they do with those opportunities? Like, what does Jihad Carter do now when he comes back healthy? There's just so many moving parts there that, like, I have opinions on what I, me personally, would like to see it look like, but those don't really mean anything. Like, I want I want to know what Perry Iliano is feeling about how he can move those pieces around the board if he sees a, a way for, like, all six or seven of those guys who are kind of in the mix to, to find roles and play play for the defense. So, like, it's a really important position, right? It is it is the uh, the, the safety-driven defense, after all, and there's there's <laughs> oh, good great. options. Yeah, <laughs> there's good options there, but, I, like, they need, to, they need to get it right. Like, they, I, don't, I don't think it's something that you can just sort of go into the season and we'll see, like, oh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't know, maybe it can because of the way the schedule sets up, but... Um, they have some stuff to get figured out there, and and I don't know if they got any closer to that in the spring because of some of the injury stuff that was happening there. That will definitely be really informative and interesting, but it'll also still be subject to change in August. I, mm -hmm. I feel like one of the biggest benefits that we had from the way spring camp was set up with the number of viewing opportunities and the open scrimmages that we saw is like I don't know if people would have believed it if we said, 
Well, the starters right now are Cam Martinez, Lathan Ransom, and Josh Proctor. Like, if we hadn't yeah. seen that be the case throughout, and that was just like the hearsay, like, oh, they're like, well, you're just hearing about the veterans then, and they're not talking about the younger guys. Like, the fact that we saw that really added some some credence to that. Now, it can change in August, and when it comes to Sonny Styles, it, it may well do that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, Josh Proctor had that job until he missed a tackle on the first drive of the game against Notre Dame and then lost it. So those things aren't set in stone, but you know, that's, that's what we've seen so far. And it, it'll, it will be interesting to hear directly from Perry, Perry Eliano about that and what went into those decisions at the end, as you mentioned, Jihad Carter was, was hurt. So Cam Martinez was really the only option to work as that first team Mm -hmm. nickel, but um, he was already doing that anyway. And there's there's a lot there, like, and we we haven't done the safety position group uh, breakdown yet, so we'll probably repeat ourselves when we do. But like, there was a lot of discussion about moving corners to play that nickel spot, or at least cross training them so that they could be ready. I guess maybe in the event of an emergency, um, perhaps just to have more of that body type and skill set available, because that's not really what Jahad Carter is. He's more of a bigger kind of pure safety who plays in nickel spot. He's not a corner who's playing who's playing safety. So um, they were like working Jair Brown there. I don't like, is that a potential area for him to, to get on the field? Did he show them anything? Um, and you mentioned Sonny Styles, right? Like the, I, I found the sh- uh, quote unquote streamlining of Sonny Styles, um, you know, like a bit nebulous, I think in the spring, like what exactly does that mean? Um, I think we have a, a some idea of what it means with the, some of those, like the bigger nickel packages, but um, I'm wondering if, anything happened over the course of those 15 practices or like with the benefit of, of some time removed from practice. If, if Perry feels at all that like Sonny could be ready for more than that, uh, whatever that vision was, um, could it perhaps be expanded already by this point? Yeah. I mean, and that's the other caveat that's worth throwing out there. There's a long time between April 15th and the first Saturday in September and twice as many practices available in August. So that, just because those springs were encouraging for the veterans and they had a, a chance to prove it, like that's a lot of competition that's still ahead. And uh, Sonny Styles is more than capable of closing that gap. It, it appears. Well, we'll see. So that's two down. Two down. So you're, I'm on the I'm on the spot for one more, huh? Um, I'll give you two. Offensive line doesn't count. That was mandatory. That's just a gimme. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to combine. I guess kind of two different positions into one thought with the thought is more about like young, young players finding roles and it's Jelani Thurman and Carnell Tate and what is actually realistic for them. And I suppose if you wanted to lump in Brandon Innes with Carnell Tate, we could like, we haven't seen Brandon. We're just making assumptions about a five-star guy, you know, showing up and being good, which I think is a safe assumption at that position. But mm-hmm. like, what is, what's real? Like what's realistic now, now that especially receiver like Emeka and, um julian are are back or will be back and xavier johnson at some point will be back like i I don't know brian (laughs) he asked brian hartline about like rotation stuff and i think sometimes he gets a little uh po'd about it because he's just like what like we're good when we go out there we'll be good it's fine what do you care about who's playing and and how many snaps are playing but i (laughs) i am curious about what is out there for carnell and and what is out there for Jelani, Jelani, I think is a more difficult route, probably, given all the things we've discussed about the tight end position. But I don't know that we don't. <clears throat> Keenan Bailey has been around, but we don't know. Like we don't have any body of work to to assume how he would a- a- approach a situation like that. So um, maybe there's something to get into with him about 
sort of his mindset on on playing young guys um, compared to maybe some people who have coached before him. Yeah, I wonder if he's more uh, w- more willing to do that because he's he's younger. He sees the value of like being given responsibility at an early age. I we're we're sort of playing too much armchair psychologist and not <laughs> football coach if it gets to that point. But uh, I think everybody in the Woody recognizes the potential that Jelani Thurman has. Now, it's always been married, and we've talked about this over and over with the developmental nature of that position. But uh, I feel like Keenan Bailey, compared to a more old-school approach from Kevin Wilson, may be more open to that. Uh, and, and the way that Ohio State likes to manage it, whether that was Urban Meyer before or Ryan Day now, is like, let the position coaches dictate the workload and the reps until it becomes a problem. So I don't know what that will mean, but I do – I. I think there's a more realistic probability of Jelani Thurman helping than I would have considered for any other freshman tight end that I've witnessed in the past. Yeah, I mean, because he's just he's that different. So I, I I am trying to like tread cautiously with with how we talk about him because like I think it's clear that you and I are really excited about what he could be, but I don't want to oversell it and then have people be like, oh, you guys were talking a big game about Jelani and then he never played. It's like uh, that that also was on the table because of. A lot of different things. Ohio State doesn't always play the young guys a ton, and, and tight end is a difficult position to, to play when you're that young. I understand that. But um, if anyone was ever going to break the mold, I guess it would be him. Whether or not he does it, it remains to be seen. But I would love to get some more uh, insight from from Keenan Bailey uh, on that topic and then also from Brian Hartline on the, the freshman receivers and what could potentially be on the table for them this year. Um, and then I guess That's- quarterbacks, right? They don't, have, they don't have a starting quarterback yet. No, so, they don't. Uh, Berm named one last week on Freaky Friday. He sure did. Yeah, I mean that's the assumption, right? And and maybe that's the question. Like, you know, we're I, I think everyone is operating under the assumption that it will be Kyle McCord, and like no one's going to say that when we talk to them on Tuesday. But is there a way to approach that conversation that that shines a little light on, like, yeah, like he's there's a little bit of a lead there. There's there's something going on with Kyle that that Devin needs to close. Devin Brown needs to close the gap on before this is. Um, like truly a competition going into the summer. I, I don't know. I don't maybe maybe that's too much wishful thinking to think we'll get that kind of insight on the quarterback competition. But you know, we do need one. We need we need to figure out kind of where Ryan Day is and where Corey Dennis is and and probably too where Brian Hartline is the offensive coordinator is on on how that battle was coming out of the spring and and how they see it moving into the summer um once Devin is able to get back to to throwing, which should be sometime soon, I think. Yeah, that'll be one of my favorite parts of uh, this assistant coach media days. All the, you know, backdoor sneaky ways that people will phrase questions to try and get somebody to slip up and say that Kyle yeah. McCord or Devin Brown is the starter. Like, but uh, one of those guys organizing more throwing sessions. Uh, <laughs> have you felt like one is a better leader? Uh, do you guys have? Do you like him? Do you like one more than the other? <laughs> I do wonder, like Ryan Day. Ryan Day did not really go down any road that would have been him, like comparing Kyle and Devin during the spring. And I understand the uh, this like the sensitive nature of a quarterback battle in today's day and age. But now that we've gotten like past the transfer portion of things, and I mean, it would be, I think it'd be shocking to everybody if Ohio State didn't have both those guys on the roster throughout the, the entirety of the 2023 season. Like, does that open a door for a little more, 
candid conversation about where things are. Probably not, but maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that it might now that we've passed like a pretty important, um, juncture in the in the college football calendar and you can feel reasonably confident that they'll both be sticking around was one other like pretty significant addition with taiwan malone coming in so uh mm-hmm. you know if, if larry johnson you know can dive into that and a second chance at that recruitment it did seem like ohio state felt early like even in the middle of spring camp that it was going to have to add a defensive tackle um and it did so it felt like it needed more depth and, and more ability to uh, roll through there. And I thought maybe like Hero Canoe had alleviated some of that by the end of camp, but you could tell like once this availability uh, and opportunity was there for Ohio State, they didn't want to miss it. That was really the, I mean, it was that was the second defensive tackle that they pursued that we that had a visit starting in March. So um, that was a priority, and then they landed it. But why? You know that Larry Johnson didn't necessarily talk about that because. I'm trying to remember. I think he said he still felt like. Now I remember. He said that the depth at defensive tackle he felt better about than defensive end, which I thought was quite strange. But that you know that was maybe in the middle of camp or ten, towards the start of it. And Kenyatta Jackson hadn't exploded yet. Jack Sawyer was just you know moving back to full time defensive end. Didn't know what was going to happen with Caden Curry. There was the argument going on about the Jack spot, mm-hmm. and he had you know some proven veterans that three at the top, but you know, I don't know that Ohio state can't survive with just, or was unlikely maybe to survive with just Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall there to, that they could count on at the top. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we, we decided, we talked about it, right? Like, I think we all felt better about that defensive tackle position coming out of the spring than maybe we thought we would based on some of the stuff we saw from here. Canoe and like even Jada McKenzie's ability to, I don't know, give him like 10 snaps a game maybe. Um, but, I, I don't I don't quibble with adding somebody there, especially someone with the upside of Tywin Malone. Like that was a former top one hundred player. And the thing I'm really curious about with him, um, and I think like Larry might be able to, to get into a little more from a technical standpoint, is that Taiwan was a three four defensive end at Ole Miss. And but he's a defensive tackle. So like what is now entering a world where he's gonna get to go up against guards and centers? on every snap as opposed to going up against tackles on every snap. Like what does that unlock for him? Cause I think the answer could be quite a bit. So um, that is, that will be interesting conversation. I got to dive into what he can provide for the program. Cause I think he is, he did not play a ton at Ole Miss and was not super productive, but the traits as a high school player and the upside that everyone saw on him, I think could mean that he is kind of an instant impact player for them. If it, if it clicks right. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if, the position fit is why he wasn't productive or lack of fit there. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen many times Larry Johnson unlock potential for somebody who has had to play outside against tackles and then take that skill set uh, and make life miserable for guards and centers. We'll see if that happens. That's down yeah. the road a bit. Yeah, looking forward to it. Feels Manna like from heaven. Back in August, yeah. baby. Let's do it. <laughs> and then we'll get to wait again for several more months, but let's That's enjoy right. this. Yeah. While we can, we'll have uh, full coverage of that uh, with some snappy Jays. We have Roosters coming uh, with the Horseshoe Lounge, and then another full week. I promise at some point we will pick up the conversation again about the tackles, but it wasn't going to be today, and it might not be tomorrow, but (laughs) it will be soon enough so that Bill can get back to just focusing on the offensive lineman. Either way, I appreciate you joining us this morning. For the podcast daily we'll be back again with a lot more content and then back right here for a podcast daily tomorrow 
We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us.